0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure. Welcome to today's program, Tim Dalton, who's director of professional services at Blue J Solutions, and Alan Piret who is QA manager, manage analytical services at Blue J Solutions as well. And today we're going to talk and talk about leveraging data to drive operational and procurement decisions in transportation. Now, there's all you know thanks to all sorts of technology. Um, and you know, system integrations, we probably have more data today than ever before. And this is particularly true in, in transportation, but how can companies convert that data into insights and then leverage those insights to make smarter and more effective uh, you know, operational and procurement decisions? Well, that's the main theme of today's episode. And it's great to have Alan and Tim on the program to share their insights and advice on this topic. So Alan, Tim, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Adrian. Really excited to be
2: here. Yeah, thanks, Adrian. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: Great. Well, Alan, uh, first time guest, so uh, w- welcome. And um, you know, let, let's just get started with just the basic question, right? I mean, we we, we mm-hmm. like to talk about data, and, and data is almost like this amorphous thing that we talk about. But when it comes to driving transportation-related, dis- uh, you know, decisions, I mean, what type of data are we talking about, and where or how is it collected?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Adrian. Uh, really excited to be here, as I said earlier. Uh, but to, to understand and define what kind of data you need, you've got to understand what kind of transportation decisions you're interested in making. You know, for example, uh, if you are temporarily going to shut down a plant and you need to work on pivoting your sources to an alternative facility, uh, you've got to understand your own current capacity. Is it able to pivot and assist you during uh, during that time period where you are going to be shutting down that facility? If not, do you need to work on conducting a short term bid? Um, and having some understanding of market context is really important too. You know, understanding what's happening to spot market rates versus contract rates during that period of time. If you need to focus on a strategy that's really going to pull you away from spot market, or if you can focus on you know covering with your asset contract rates. Um, Other things like tender acceptance uh, might be a good gauge to understand uh, how you're going to be able to handle coverage and so on and so forth. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really going to start with understanding your own network in a general sense. Whether that be seasonality, your equipment mode and your, your, your equipment types and your modes and what the mix of that looks like for your own network, your lane data and, you know, where, where your stuff is coming from and where it's all going, you know, going into your shipment level data. You've really got to understand and hone in on what your network looks like today. Um, and, you know, going further into your question to talk about how data is being collected. Well, if you have a good TMS partner, it's really easy because, you know, for example, with Bluejay, we capture data at all of the important milestone events uh, and, you know, you can use that data in a lot of different powerful ways. Um, and it helps ensure that you have a broad understanding of everything that's, in, uh, that's occurring from your order to cash cycle. Um, you know, furthermore, it's, it's, it's key to understand and, and to look into clear reporting and to make sure that you have a set cadence to be able to review reporting based off of all of the data that you're capturing. Now, if you don't have a TMS partner, then it might be a little bit more difficult to build out those tools uh, in order to visually understand your network um, or even to house your data. Um, you know, I wouldn't recommend it, but you could start with collecting your BOLs and storing it in Excel and starting you know, some kind of visualization purposes that way. But you know, at the end of the day, it's probably more, more important that you get in partnership with a, you know, a, a TMS provider.
0: Um, Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I think the, you know, uh, and certainly that was one of the key lessons learned of 2020 for sure. Right. I mean, I think mm -hmm. if if you were relying, uh, if you were still operating your business, uh, any aspect of your business, like it was still 1999, you were in serious trouble Mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, the the need to make smart and efficient decisions uh, became more critical. Uh, last year than ever be than ever before, and it was those companies that have invested in technology, and in the case of transportation, obviously transportation management systems to get that visibility and that understanding that that you were talking about. I think is you know it was pretty critical, and I think what you said also, you know, in terms of, of putting it in context, you know, when you talk about which which data I- is important, and, and I, I noticed, you know, that's another question: be, is it data or is it data? But that's a whole other uh, you know this, this discussion, right? But yeah, you say mm-hmm. tomato, I say tomato. Um, but, but I think putting it, I, I think you're right. That's pretty insightful. I mean, I think, you know, understanding number one, the broader context in terms of understanding your network and then number two, understanding the different scenarios and the different questions you want to answer um, mm-hmm. then will dictate what type of data you need to be collecting to be able to answer those questions or make the decisions you want to make. So it's almost like, you know, you don't want to collect data for the sake of just collecting data. You want to collect data because you've given some free thought in terms of what actions you may want to take or what decisions you need to make um, mm-hmm. in order to, again, to successfully navigate not only what's happening today, but what may happen tomorrow, right?
1: Exactly. I think that you know, it's, it, it's incredibly important to be able to understand your historical data and, and how that's really going to measure up against the market too. You know, as the old adage goes, the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior and uh, being able to take your historical data and maybe even, you know, pushing it, you know, taking the next step forward and to forecast data, uh, using things like economic indicators and sales forecasts and your expect- expectations to growth um, and using all of that to compare against market data, is, uh, especially lately is extremely important and it's becoming increasingly more and more important. Um, you know, speaking on market data, uh, you know, for a second, um, looking at at things like with, with what Bluejay offers, we offer something called the Freight Market Index. We use we call it the FMI. Right. Um, it's a free monthly publication, and it it contains a variety of core different KPIs, not just cost metrics, um, and it it measures per our, the performance of all of our shippers in the Bluejay network you know using tools like that to understand where i stand up against the market is increasingly more and more important
0: so. yeah not to that, that that that's a great point so i mean so let's say you, you know, now you've 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 done all the upfront work and you've got you know all the necessary data all the data that you, you, you want to have i mean how mm-hmm. do how should companies use it to understand and improve their day-to-day operations
1: yeah great question so data and metrics are key You know, if you can't measure it, then you can't manage it, right? So first, you really need to make sure that you're measuring all of the key aspects of your business that are um, clearly defined in your measurement strategy. You know, what's important to my business? And I gotta understand that. And I gotta make sure that we're we're watching those metrics as they change over time, right? For example, you know, just some of the other, you know, some of the small ones, like, uh, you know, on-time performance, tender acceptance, cost metrics, and efficiency measures. Like, I want to make sure that I'm keeping my thumb on a pulse of where those are heading. Um, And it's also key that we communicate that up and down the supply chain and make sure that all of the appropriate stakeholders involved are informed of what those metrics that we're following are um, we don't want to manage in bubbles we want to make sure that all of the appropriate stakeholders are involved anybody from the order to the cash work cycle or uh, order to cash cycle is involved with these uh, metrics and everybody's aligned with uh, focusing on improving the areas where we want to be improving
0: you know, that's a great point in terms of providing some visibility and transparency to to you know to what's happening there and providing that across the organization. I mean, I know that you know if you think back to obviously twenty twenty, you know, we've talked a lot about twenty twenty over the past uh, you know few months and what's happened there. But if you if you think back to twenty eighteen, the surprise that many CFOs had when their transportation budgets were blown out of the water, and you know the last thing you want to do is for a CFO to get surprised, you know, th- that market was heading in a particular direction, right? So being able to provide visibility across the board and in particular to, to the sea level to give them, you know, so they're not caught off guard, but they're, have, they're also able at the appropriate level to keep, you know, a pulse on what's happening from that standpoint, I think is, is important. Uh, Tim, just to bring you into the conversation, your thoughts on, on that question. I mean, in terms of leveraging data, you know, how can companies do that or, or some examples in, to, to improve the day-to-day operations?
2: Yeah, no, I think that You know, when I think about data, I think, uh, so I've been in logistics operations procurement now for about 18 years. So I think back to 18 years ago, what data was like and reporting and visibility till now. And, you know, it's it's changed drastically and it continues to change. You know, we went from really not having any data uh, to then getting to the point where we all of a sudden had all the data in the world, but we didn't know what to do with it. You know, now I think we're getting better as far as really being able to drill down into the data to really start to understand root cause a little bit more, you know, so I mean, just from an example standpoint, you know, where, you know, once data really started becoming available when, and when I start to think about operations and, you know, shippers really tracking You know their operations and determining whether carriers are performing at a you know at the at a high level or not. You know they start coming out with you know a carrier scorecard and a carrier scorecard it would say you know your tender acceptance is X and if you're above this line if you're below this line if you're above this line you're great if you're below this line you're terrible. But what you know what what it didn't account for is that you know you can award a carrier a lane which has 500 annual loads and maybe something changes within the network and you know you ship 500 loads in the first two months you know, the volumes increase drastically. And even though, you know, the, the the carrier may have been planning for, you know, 40-ish loads a month, you know, maybe now they're not taking all of them that are being offered, but they're still doing 60. They're still doing 20 more per month than they planned on it. But if then, if you look at their tender acceptance, it's just going to tell you that they're not performing at the level that you need them to perform. So I think, you know, as data uh, and the availability of data and what we now know, you know, to look for in some of the tools that exist to really dissect and drill into the data, it puts us all in a better position to truly look to see how is a carrier performing versus what they committed to. And rather than unfairly penalizing carriers, you know, it, it offers greater opportunity to potentially celebrate, you know, a carrier's achievement or what they're actually doing to help you out above and beyond what they committed to. So, you know, I think from an example standpoint, you know, it's just, uh, you know, when I hear Alan speak to the data and all the data that's available now, and I think, you know, my own career and how kind of it's evolved over the past 18 years, you know, I think we're getting much better with understanding data, knowing what to look for, and, uh, you know, not necessarily just looking at it black and white.
0: Yeah, it's a great point because, I mean, I think it, it's understanding the story behind the numbers,
2: you yep, know, absolutely. and the story
0: behind the bars and graphs and everything else. And if you're just looking at that, you know, if you're just purely looking at, you know, the bar charts and the graphs or the, you know, the tolerance levels, and you're not really understanding the story behind it, you, you know, you can make, you know, uh, poor decisions or you can come to the wrong conclusion. So I think that's a that's a great point. Uh, Alan, uh, you know, and you kind of touched upon this a, a little bit, uh, but but I guess the question is, you know, it's, it's probably relatively easy, particularly if you've got the data and the reports and everything else to say, hey, you know, uh, measure yourself in terms of how you're doing relative to last year, or how you're doing relative to your budget or your plans. But I mean, how do you know if you're making progress relative to others, you know, in, in the market? In other words, I mean, how do you benchmark yourself, especially in, a, in an environment right now that's so volatile?
1: Yeah, no, it's, I'm glad that we're talking about that, since I think that it's an obvious pink elephant in the room that the market's been quite unstable. And uh, it's, it's important to know how you can uh, make sure you're measuring up against other shippers in the volatile market. You know, traditionally, and I think it still holds today, a lot of supply chain professionals will use a fixed rate to benchmark their performance. You know, for example, if I can hit 90% on-time performance, you know, we're doing great. But, you know, today we understand that success is a moving target and that we have the tools to enable us to understand our position in reference to a changing market, so we should be doing that. So I think that market context is critical for interpreting performance. You know, I, I like using this example. Uh, it's it's a little crude, but you know, if I were to go to a mortgage lender today and ask for a loan for my house, and I received an APR of eight percent, I'd laugh myself to another mortgage lender. You know, but if it was thirty years ago and it was nineteen ninety one. I'd be celebrating because the average 30 year fixed rate was about nine and a quarter percent. So it's, it's understanding that over time things change and we need to be able to measure up against the market as the market's changing and making sure that we are positioned positively against the market. And I think that a lot of that's done just by transparency and having the correct tools in your tool belt to be able to say, this is where we are today and make, making sure that we're, we're driving things that we need to drive. You know, thinking of another example, just from something more relevant, something, something more about the transportation industry, uh, something that's changed over time, just from the pandemic itself, you know, thinking about spot market volume. Today, we're seeing spot market volumes just under 16% in comparison to total volume. Whereas at the beginning of the pandemic, we saw spot volumes just under 6%. So seeing a jump of about 10% in spot volume is it's, it's massive and it's important to understand that context when you're planning your strategy for how to evade the spot market, because we've got, we've got rates of, you know, over 40% higher spot market rates are about 40% higher than our index rates. And so we, we need to, you know, work on a strategy for a lot of shippers, you know, how do I get out of the spot market? And it's just it's really important to understand that context to develop those strategies. Yeah,
0: that's a that's a great point, and it's been a topic that we've we've talked about here recently as well, because I think a lot of shippers are are struggling with that because they, they recognize you know what's happening there, and then just talking about how things change. I mean, you know, on time delivery. Well, I, I think it was probably hard, very difficult to hit ninety percent on time delivery in, in Texas over the past couple of weeks, right? You know, uh, with with the weather events there and mm-hmm. everything else, so even at a very microcosm, lane by lane, you know, basis, you know, understanding the context and the different factors that could imp- impact, you know, things like on time delivery, you know, so maybe historically you've hit ninety percent, but maybe during that week period, you know, if you were hitting fifty percent, you were great, particularly if your competitors were only doing twenty percent, right? So understanding, you know, that uh, I think is uh, is important. Um, Tim, I am going to shift gears now and talk over to you and maybe building upon what Alan just said. We were talking about the spot market. I mean, how, you know, how can companies use all this data that we've been talking about and and collecting? How is that impacting, you know, procurement strategy?
2: Yeah, I think, no, that's a good question. I think you know, one of the things we've seen is that, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, like any other change in the market, you start to see how from a procurement strategy, uh, you know, folks really, you know, maybe hesitant to go to market because they're looking at it that, oh my God, the market's starting to change. If we go to market now, we're essentially going to be asking for a rate increase, um, you know, but then, you know, as is Alan had mentioned about the spot market and how we saw that increase as much as we did, you know, it uh, then it comes down to, well, maybe I'm better off to have be moving my freight with updated rates versus going to the spot market. So, I mean, I think from a procurement standpoint, you know, data has obviously always been important in the sense of going back, looking at history, looking at what lanes you've moved, um, you know, making some assumptions based on what the volume is gonna be the next year, and then just grabbing those lanes and putting them out to bid. You know, I think one of the things that have changed over the past, you know, few years and, you know, continue to change is, you know, that step, you know, kind of, you know, that takes place first before you go to market. So in determining that strategy, and it's also, you know, do we need to go out to market with all of our bids and some, you know, you know. Without question, go to market every year. They put their whole network out there, but for others, we're starting to see that there's been a lot more work with really looking at the data, again drilling into the data to understand the lanes. And you know, if you've got a lane that has you know a high tender acceptance percent uh, percentage where the carrier is competitive compared to a baseline or a benchmark, you know maybe you work with that carrier to to just extend their rate or to extend the commitment. You know, is there really a reason to go out and bid it if the lane itself isn't broken? You know, and as a result. I think a lot more shippers are really starting to, you know, understand the importance, you know, everybody wants to talk partnership, but you know, they really are starting to understand the importance of, you know, what it means for that carrier to completely tear up their network every single year, you know, and it's, it's not just your business, your lane, because there's backhauls and head and, you know, and deadhead mileage to live up to commitments and all this other stuff. So I think that, you know there's been a there's been more of a step that's taken place prior to going to market with really truly determining what lanes should i go to market with you know and i think also too in my example that i gave before about you know do you want to penalize a carrier who committed to 500 loads a year when you've already tendered them 500 loads in the first two months you know i think there's there's you know, we're not necessarily there yet, but a lot more shippers are really starting to get to the point where they're looking at the data to say, you know, what additional information can we give to our carriers? So they really understand the lane that they're bidding on prior to bidding on it. Uh, So, you know, we continue to look for ways to look at the data, to look at the opportunities, to really kind of show where those potential like peaks and valleys are throughout the year. You know, whereas in the past, you know, early on people would say, okay, you know, all we're going to give you is our estimated annual volume number. Then we evolved and improved to get to the point where okay, we're going to show you what the monthly breakout is just to give you a little bit more uh, information again, around those peaks and valleys. But then more, more recently, I've seen with a few shippers and you know, some think it's overkill, you know, some appreciate it. But I've seen where they've essentially just given them a, a you know, a supporting document that just shows, you know, a complete, you know, transactional history over the past year, where if a carrier chose to, they could really go into it and kind of understand, you know, which days of the week ship more than others. And Really give them a lot of data uh, to really understand again that the business that they're, they're bidding on. So, you know, I think, you know, we're not necessarily there yet, uh, but we continue to get better, um, you know, as, as far as what data to, to provide to the carriers, even down to, you know, before you'd say, okay. We're, I need your rate from, you know, Chicago, Illinois to Dallas, Texas. Well, maybe we should give you a little bit more information about who the customer actually is in Dallas or what the average wait times are at the facilities or, you know, what are the average lead times. So, you know, a carrier is not bidding thinking that they're going to get, you know, load tenders, uh, you know, 48 hours in advance, but then all of a sudden they get awarded the freight and they start, you know, trying to operate the freight and it's all these same day load tenders that they're seeing. So I think if anything, it's really trying to arm the carriers with more information ahead of time, um, you know, knowing that from a procurement process, the end result will probably be better. And even if let's say that end result means that, you know, the savings is a little bit less than it could be if you, uh, you know, you didn't provide a lot of data, you know, the risks as far, the risks are limited as far as then all of a sudden a carrier coming in after the fact and saying, I need more money or this lane doesn't work for me because now I know X, Y, Z, one, two, three. So, you know, I think there's just a, a lot more things that folks are looking at when it relates to data, as far as, um, you know, how, uh. Uh, you know, what it is exactly that they should be um, presenting to their carriers or providing to their carriers. You know,
0: uh, you you bring up a good point. I mean, I think that, and this is probably a a topic for, uh, you know, another, uh, you know, episode, but I I think that, you know, certainly over the years, you know, as shippers have become, even though there's still shippers out there, they're still managing their transportation with spreadsheets and so forth you know, a lot more are embracing, you know, transportation management systems and are leveraging, you know, the the, the technologies and the, and the BI and the analytics and so forth, you know, to, to run their operations smarter. Well, I think we've seen the same thing on the carrier side as well. I mean, I think, you know, historically a lot of carriers, particularly the smaller ones have been behind the curve if you will, with technology adoption, but because of same thing, same thing that's been happening on the shipper side because of software as a service, because of, you know, the cloud deployments, so on and so forth, they have now access to tools that perhaps were out of reach, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So they're able, they're in a better position today to take that data, that information, those insights that shippers provide to them to do that analysis on that end so that they can provide more meaningful feedback and a more realistic response back to, you know, the RFPs or, or you know, the, 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 the discussion. So we've, I've, I've seen kind of this, uh, you know, the carrier side of the equation becoming much more sophisticated as well in terms of, you know, being able to leverage that, um, you know, th- that information. Um, so, so Tim, before we kind of wrap up and, and uh, get to our last question, just another question here. Um, so you've, you've done the procurement cycle. I mean, what your shippers do next to keep making smarter operational decisions?
2: No, and real quick, before I answer that question, you know, just kind of what you just said about the carriers being much more sophisticated, you know, I think back to, you know, I mentioned about, you know, starting, maybe the importance of letting carriers know who the customer is, you know, on the receiving end, even if a shipper doesn't, the carrier already knows. And if anything, they're just going to assume it's the worst, you know, customer that they have to deliver into, you know, and I think you're 100% right where, you know, at times, you know, you know, you know, you know, I've worked with folks before where you know they almost think that they're you know pulling a fast one over on their partners when in reality you know the carrier knows more about their network than anyone within their organization, you know, just because you know they see it from a completely different lens. So I mean, I think you're spot on with that. You know, as far as you know, once the procurement cycle is you know completed and you know what should folks be doing for from an operational standpoint, you know, for one, I'd make the argument that. You know the procurement cycle is never completed. It's never done. You know, so it's like it because it didn't, you know when I look at it and say, you know, you can run the greatest procurement event, you could run the best RFP in the world. But if you don't have, you know, the, the ability to really manage, manage it after the fact, you know, you might have some slippage, or you might have some folks start failing. And and, and if you don't have the visibility, you know, then you can't fix it. And then you run into the situation that you talked about at the beginning of the call, where, you know, the one thing that none of us want is we don't want, you know, we don't want the CFO to all of a sudden be surprised and come, you know, knocking on your desk, or you're knocking on your door and saying, Hey, what's, going on here? Why are we seeing such a, you know, a drastic increase with our costs? So, you know, I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, the procurement process, being done with the procurement process, and what should folks do next, you know, really, I can't stress the importance of this conversation, and really, you know, having the proper, you know, operational metrics, along with having the ability to benchmark yourself against the, the market, so you can react quicker. You can start to understand when things start to fall apart and you know, try to put a solution in place before it becomes a, a, you know, a huge financial impact. You know? And when looking at the data, really understand why you're starting to see some of the slippage or why you're starting to see some things fall apart. You know, does it go back to my initial example? Has there been a, a change within the network or on a specific lane where there's just a lot more freight than there used to be? And then, how can you, then what can you do with it you know, from there? can you work with your carriers to see if they can commit to more if they can't, does it make sense to go to market with maybe a mini bid? You know, I, I had a conversation recently with a, with a, a customer and, you know, they were asking me about mini bids and, you know, they want to go out to market, you know, every, you know, every quarter with a mini bid and a lot and their concern was, You know, we're concerned that if we include a lane where carriers are hauling it today, that, you know, they're not going to like it. And I said, well, absolutely not. They're not going to like it. You know, you don't want to all of a sudden develop the reputation that you're out there, you know, fishing for rates or, you know, you're expecting everyone else to be living up to their commitments, but you're not going to do the same thing. So, I mean, I think from an important standpoint is you need to understand what's going on after you've awarded the freight. You know, I think you can award your freight with confidence, but then also still monitor what's actually happening. And depending on what you're finding, allow that to drive what comes next. So whether it's, again, doing a mini bid, having calls with carriers, you know, working internally with your customer service group, your forecasting group, your facilities, if there's, if that's the issue that's causing, uh, you know, another issue to occur downstream. So it's, you know, once that procurement cycle is, you know, quote unquote, complete, that just starts a whole new, even more important process, and that's really managing it to ensure that all commitments are being uh, lived up to, including your own, and you know, and also then just having making sure that you have a process in place, so when you do start to see something fall apart that you already have a process as far as how you're going to address to that issue. So you can quickly correct that issue. So then all of a sudden, again, someone's not knocking on your door saying, hey, what's going on with this? And you're just, you're just looking at them with a kind of a blank stare, you know, you know, on your face. So, um, you know, it's uh, data is it's been out there. We've seen it get better over the last couple of decades, but it's now, you know, I think the people are really starting to understand how powerful data actually is and what to do with it, and you know, and that's ultimately what makes that procurement uh, cycle a success.
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of great, uh, you know, words of advice and and, and insights there. Uh, so so, Alan, uh, you know, back to you, and and as a way to as a way to wrap up, you know, maybe even building upon what Tim just said, I mean, what ultimately. Was is going to separate the leaders from the laggards when it comes to leveraging data to drive smarter, you know, smarter decisions?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think that leaders are going to understand where they position against the market, and I I, I think that um, that market context is so critical to interpreting your own performance because it enables shippers to uh, be able to balance costs between service and and really key in on, you know, what levers should I pull up and down to make sure that I'm making the correct decisions and creating the correct strategy in uh, not just procurement, but other operational decisions uh, to make sure that I have an effective strategy moving forward. Um, And the the freight market's always changing and you want to make sure that you're keeping up with that. And so I think that leaders will key into that to to ensure that they're making smart decisions moving forward. How about you, Tim? What 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 do you think that leaders do to separate themselves from the laggards? Yeah, no,
2: I think it's that. I think it's you know just being able to evolve. You know, being able to look at something and, and realize that change is okay. And you know, if, if you sit back and think, there's got to be a way, better way. Chances 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 are that there that there is. Um, You know, I think if anything, and, you know, when I think from an operation standpoint or from a procurement standpoint, you know, what isn't a strategy is that you implement, uh, whether it's a procurement event or it's some other solution that you implement, what isn't a strategy is then after the fact that you just hope and pray that everything is going to work as you expected. You know, hoping and praying isn't an effective strategy. So it's really understanding that you have the tools and you have the process in place after the fact to really... Uh, to really measure it and understand it. But then also, I think, Alan, to your point, you know, from, you know, why benchmarking is so important is, you know, from a context standpoint, it's, it's always important to really understand, you know, how you're doing compared to others like you. So, you know, again, we start talking about this procurement, we start talking, I'm sorry, not procurement, but the pandemic, and we we speak to, you know, how the markets change, how are, how the, how spot market usage has increased. So, You know, if everyone's just looking at it from a paper standpoint and they're saying, you know, we were at 6%, you know, 6% of our freight was going to the spot market, you know, now 12% of our freight's going to the spot market. But data tells us industry, you know, from an industry standpoint, you know, 16, 18, 20% is going to the spot market, you know, is there room for improvement? Sure. But, you know, when you're using that data to then educate the folks internally, you can really speak to the fact that, hey, yeah, things aren't good. Things have changed, you know, but at the same time, we're still performing at a rate that's better than the market. And I think from a story standpoint, that really starts to tell a different story than if someone were just to say, hey, you were at 6%. Now you're at twelve percent. What the heck happened? Or you know, from a from a sky is falling standpoint, sometimes a little bit of context and education really kind of helps to to put it into perspective.
0: Yeah, that's that, that's great. Well, both of you provided some some great you know insights and, and advice during this conversation. You know, a lot to uh, you know a lot to digest here, and I, I'm sure that you know we can probably go on talking for another hour about everything that's happening in the transportation market because it is such a you know, dynamic industry and, and a lot of uh, uh, g- great things happening, a lot of challenges, a lot of opportunities as well. But uh, uh, Alan, Tim, thank you both for making the time to be with us today. Adrian, it was a pleasure. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Adrian, you know, I always look forward to to our sessions. So uh, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. Great. I want
0: to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the Blue Jay uh, website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Alan or Tim, You can post it there and I'm sure they'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.